0: Hi Eric, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Samuel Tayengwa. Um, I head product and analytics for our markets outside of South Africa for TransUnion uh, Information Credit Bureau.
1: TransUnion recently released a report around uh, uh, the Kenya Markets uh, insight report. Uh, basically from, um, as, as an introduction, you can take us through what, uh, what, the, what TransUnion has put through this report together and uh, is there a specific reason uh, it was launched uh, during this uh, this period?
0: Um, thank you, Eric. I think uh, it's important to maybe just give the synopsis of what the report, um, is really about. So the Kenya Market Analytics Report uh, provides a comprehensive view of the credit landscape, and uh, you know a detailed analysis or a deep dive analysis of the market trends, uh, looking at also opportunities and and risks. And I think it's important that peop- our, our, our audience uh, also understand that everyone is keen to understand where the market is going, considering the current situation that we find ourselves in. Um, Also, another reason was for us to really position ourselves as thought leadership uh, in the lending institutions that we work with. I mean, we work within an ecosystem, and we wanted our clients to have a, a bit of in-depth understanding of you know uh, product preference, um, what's happening there, what's happening with the demand for, for credit uh, w- with their own customers and why, where are potential risks and, uh, and, and alignments in as far as you know different product strategies are concerned within their own, own spaces. So it was a case of putting together something that would assist our customers to have uh, information at their fingertips, but also understand the market from an overview uh, point of
1: view interesting. Uh, from, uh, from the report, uh, we, we noticed a few trends that, uh, that, that were a bit, uh, some were there around Q4, some were there, and some then came about around Q1, uh, with regards to demand for credit um, in the banking sector, but particularly the, the mobile loans. Uh, give us your views. What, what, what's, what are some of the trends that you witnessed during uh, during these two periods?
0: Um, I think what is interesting to note is, uh, The demand for credit will always will always be there, considering that Kenya is a credit uh, market, right? So the demand for credit will always be there. But what we saw coming out of a Q4 2019 into Q1 2020 was, though we saw a 4.8 increase in uh, mobile. Uh, loans, in as far as the demand for mobile loans is concerned, there was an increase of 4.8. But if you want to do a, a, an averaging out of that type of demand, we saw a decline in what we call new business to you know new business or new openings or new accounts, in as far as new to credit customers are concerned. So we saw a decline in that respect and then uh, what we also uh, observed was that it could have been a, an issue of banks themselves trying to 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 retain and um, you know have more liquidity on their side maintain high levels of liquidity you are aware that we are coming out of q4 where the interest rate was just repealed and banks are now starting to do what we call risk risk based pricing which is also new to them right most of them are trying to find their fit in as far as this new uh, scoring model is concerned. The Central Bank of Kenya is pushing for banks to have this type of model embedded in their scoring models. And that also has in itself uh, created a relaxed approach from uh, the financial institutions to drive uh, lending. Uh, Bear in mind that the banks have a bigger chunk of the pie when it comes to mobile lending, right? about 90%, 92% uh, in as far as that business is concerned. So we saw a drop in you know, in a drive to offer a lot of uh, um, mobile lending or or mobile loans between Q1 and to Q4 2019.
1: Okay, in- interesting to note that uh, banks drive some of the largest uh, transactions with regards to mobile lending, and they control actually a very very big market. Uh, uh, given that from the entire uh, from uh, g- from the report, uh, uh, demand for credit fell and banks weren't really willing to to lend. Uh, what do you think could be the reason behind this trend? Um,
0: I'll, I'll expand it in, in, in the sense that look, with with um, the interest rep kept uh, being repealed, right? So uh, remember, with whilst, whilst the interest was kept, banks could lend at that flat interest, and they knew they would make their money, etc. And when the interest was repealed, and now banks had to lend in relation to um, to a, a risk-based model, it became a bit of a, an enchanted space for most of the banks. Look, we talk to most of them uh, day in, day out. Most of them are still trying to look at what is the best risk-based best model. Some of them are working with other institutions that are, that specialize in, in in that type of, 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 of uh, pricing approach. And it's all because everybody's trying to figure out what, how do we price. And whilst we are there, the first reports of COVID are reported in Nairobi and I think around April. So there's been a fruit bus of how financial institutions have had to retain liquidity, like I said earlier on, to maintain high levels of liquidity as a way to mitigate potential or future losses that could happen or could be as a result of the current situation that we also find ourselves in. By virtue of of, of the interest rate being repealed, we also don't know how the market was going to move in as far as the risk of lending goes. And now, secondly, with uh, COVID coming in, we also don't know how... uh, Consumers who, who have still maintained obligations to pay their loans, uh, how will that play out? So banks have had to sort of be more um, conservative in their lending criteria. We have seen that most of them have actually been still have actually maintained lending within their existing base. Uh, but not necessarily new to lending or new to, to credit type of customers. So it's pretty much banks are trying to understand what risks sit out there. And that's why you find with our report coming in, we are trying to open those pockets for them. We're trying to show them sort of, you know, a navigated approach of this is how the market is looking. This is where the market is going. As we will move into Q2 report, we're going to show the impact, but now, giving a reference of where we kicked off from, and now they'll be in a more better position to make better informed decision, even if it means opening up now more credit to the different uh, demographic and different pockets of the of the community.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, something quite um, quite insa- insightful. Given that I think the red cap was repealed around uh, Q4, Q4 of last year, and and uh, you know what the market expected is that uh, if if the red cap has been repealed, then the, the then uh, in terms of uh, business inquiries and loans, business loans, particularly for SMEs, that uh, should go up. But then uh, given, I think, what happened from our conversation is that uh, now when this crisis came on board, uh, when this crisis came, uh, that really even affected because the banks even said they they just want to remain liquid. Uh, One of the things from the report that was also a a big one was around uh, a significant rise in the number of, uh, Loan defaults or uh, non or the non-performing loans uh, from uh, from the report, w- w- what what's basically driving this? Could you just explain just this general term of uh, an, a very significant increase in number of default and uh, NPLs. So look, I think what's important to to understand
0: is what is driving you know NPLs, right? Um, let, let's take a step back and say. Uh, The average market, without creating a panic, right, without creating a storm out of this, is the average uh, market NPO sits at about 12.7, 12.8. That's the average market NPO, right? And the central bank monitors this because that informs whether our market is performing or not, and that informs whether the banks are lending to uh, are deserving customers or not, and are they reckless in their lending or not, you know, and also equally banks, how is their risk appetite um, in as far as, as that goes. What is important is when we look at uh, default in, in as far as NPOs are concerned, is we wanna also just spread it in accordance to product lines. Because when you do that, you are better informed to see which product line is driving the highest NPL, right? Uh, There are product lines where we talk of secured lending. You know, when you talk of asset financing, when you talk of mortgages, there's a bit of secured lending in that respect because banks can retain collateral. But when you go to things like mobile lending, it's, it's an secured form of lending. And we have seen that if you look at demographic type of behavior or demographic type of performance, your mobile lending tends to have the higher end of what we call high risk Type of scoring. If you do your risk distribution on demographic uh, borrowing patterns, you see that your 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 your, your Gen Z. Which is the new to credit tend to be the highest defaulters. I mean, these are guys that are coming out of college; they are fresh to 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 this credit spend. To this credit spend, maybe they just want to have a quick uh, a loan from one of the financial institutions, but then they don't pay. They don't understand the impact of of, of, of not uh, paying back their obligations. So you'd find that also the reason why we saw a high rate of of um of peak in Q1 was. You know, with lending, you also need to look into seasonality, right? So people are coming out of out of December, festive season. There's a big chunk of borrowing, but as we go towards the end of Q1, which is much data, we monitor that the rate of default also peaked in mobile lending because now people don't have money or have used up all their of all their facilities, etc. So it's 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 important to see that. Um, when we talk of that, we specifically want to separate other product lines because it's not every product line that was driving uh, the highest uh, levels of of um, NPL in the market. Um, uh, I'm not sure if that is uh, yeah. that answers the question. Yeah,
1: that answers the question very well. Uh, something that I think that stood out for me was uh, generally I think you mentioned around the the increase in t- number of total loans loan accounts uh, yeah. increased by massively by around I think 21 percent. Uh, Uh, In from Q4 to around Q1, but then on the other hand, uh, the number of business loans actually dropped. Yeah, Uh, which 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 is quite uh, which 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 uh, which brings me to the question around in terms of uh, this the increase or the defaults. uh, Could we say which just given particularly from from a local perspective? Which segment, uh, which segment leads, which segment of the financial services industry? So, be it fintechs, banks, wh- 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 where were mo- most of these defaults uh, uh, probably occurred?
0: In- interesting, that's a good question. So, so, maybe let me start by clarifying when we talk of um, new accounts, right? When we say we had a 21% increase in new accounts. So, what that basically means is Eric, who had five accounts, opened three more accounts, okay. all right? So so it could also imply that we are also in a in a, it, it could mean a couple of things. Our consumers are probably getting to be more heavily indebted. So they are looking for more sources of credit to sustain their lives, right, or their livelihoods. So we saw more accounts per individuals being opened. So that's why there's that sharp increase of from 108 to 131. It means that one person increased their account. So you could on average have one person uh, holding more than, um, uh, on average, about ten or eleven uh, accounts, um, and and the question that you also then brought is, as as a result of that, Sam, could that mean then that we are the, the the drivers of um. Of, of NPOs or defaulting accounts in the market, where could that be coming from? And and I mean, obviously the financial sector be be, be heavily regulated as it is. You'd realize that um, our fintech space, right? They were not predominantly heavily regulated, right? The banking side of it is heavily regulated, though the banks cont- control about ninety percent of the fintech transactions, but the other almost eight percent or so, ten percent is non-regulated type of fintech lending. Um, so you'd. Re- realize that because of that, they would land, uh, uh, you know, across the spectrum, and you then have Sam who took a loan with this uh, other fintech, takes a loan with another fintech, and, and we would been encouraging our, uh, our fintech clients to even inquire from TransUnion or, or, or other players in the market to check, to ensure that the person that they're extending a credit facility to does not have similar facilities across the market. Because then that resulted in either even elements of fraud, where we have uh, persistence, people just taking loans from different uh, fintech players and never pay them back, that in itself would increase the rate of default. So it's important to understand how the fintech players would start to manage and monitor the, the, the risk of, um, of, of, of uh, extended lending to the customers or to the market without having information at their fingertips to understand
1: how these customers actually sit across the spectrum. Okay. Uh, interesting. Speaking of fintech, uh, locally, uh, b- b- uh, some news that has been running over the last few days is that uh, our central bank has actually drafted some rules to regulate the non- uh, non-bank digital lenders. Um, just curious to know how that will play out. No one knows how it will play out, but I think yeah. that, uh, hopefully that can help some of uh, some of the fintech lenders probably reduce the uh, reduce that rate of um, uh, NPLs. And, and Absolutely. Looking at the report, uh, the the, the, the fintech or the non bank digital lenders actually had, uh, I think they had the highest uh, rate of uh, de- of uh, default. And performing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean to be to, to be to, to to actually give you know to actually quantify it, um, Eric, if you look at it right, like I said, the banks control about ninety percent old transactions of fin of, of what we call mobile lending, right? And the fintechs, which are also big in there. But if you look from a non-performing accounts by volume, just by volume, not by value, because by value I mean banks have capacity to lend more, but by volume, uh, fintechs had about thirty eight percent of non performing compared to their banking our counterparts, we had 7%, because by nature, yeah, banks are regulated, so banks have to inquire or check what we call, they, they have to reference the credit bureau, they have to check with the credit bureau. Some of the fintechs would probably check maybe just as a way to ensure that the ID is reflective on the bureau, but not as a risk mitigating factor, you understand? Yeah. So, 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 so that in itself is worrying. I mean, if you look at the banks, only 7% were non-performing compared to fintechs with 38% right whereas banks control 90% of the mobile transactions um so in itself it's it's very uh concerning that um uh uh the rate of non performance by by um, value i mean by volume for fintechs is is that, uh, is that high if you then go to to value where we talk of account balance so you know the, num- the, the value of, or the money that is not paid back to the fintechs that we have seen as reported to us. Uh, I mean, from a value point of view, banks uh, are sitting at about 50% compared to their performing uh, ratios, but fintechs still worrying, they're sitting with 60% higher values Wow. of non-performance on their best, So it's, it's a serious issue that, you know, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that CBK is looking into a regulatory uh, aspect to onboard fintechs into that framework, because then in itself, it could start helping to mitigate some of these issues that we are seeing uh, being perpetuated in the market.
1: Interesting. I, I think that's actually a, a discussion around, uh, around data and, 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 and given that, as you've mentioned, uh, the, the non bank digital lenders, uh, it's it's so much it's so much easier for them to to approve credit given that the, uh, how they determine their risk profile. I think that brings me to a question around uh, optimization of data, and um, and given what the current uh, the, the pandemic has put a lot of pressure on both uh, businesses and even households, and 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 we are even uh, and as we get as we get along trying to get out of this uh, uh, this period, just curious to know. How how can businesses probably optimize data and information that they have on their customers to, to remain competitive and uh, and probably structure products much better to, uh, products much better. Um, great, great question, uh, Eric. I think uh, let, let's
0: let's 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 probably address it by saying what is the value of data, right? So data in its static form might not necessarily you know be as as powerful than when it is translated into insights, which then makes smart views for businesses to make better strategic decisions. Data in itself can be built into what we call scorecards. So what we tend to advise our clients, because most of them have got what they call internal scorecards. So this is a modeling uh, scorecard that is built upon, um, um, you know, looking into historical data in, t- in terms of historical performance of their customers, and they build a scorecard that looks into risk parameters and risk measurements. And we at TransUnion, we also have our own scorecard that we give to banks and we give to to institutions to use because we have a generic view of the market. Banks have got their own customer view. We have a generic view, so they need to start looking into whether optimizing their internal scorecards, right? Because of New data that is coming through because of the new uh, trends of performance and behavioral changes in the market. There's a need to either, you know, recalibrate existing scores. Right? Some of the scores could have been built two, three years ago. It's an encouragement that institutions need to relook really into, you know, uh, uh, re- recalibrating their scores. They can come to organizations like ours for even validations of their existing scorecards and work with our own scorecards to to ensure that. Um, um, you know, they, they have uh, better risk measurement uh, tools in their space. I think also, you know, using data to start thinking more about products. How do you design products uh, based on 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 you know demographic? Um, uh, be buying behavior. I mean, what if we are to look at what COVID has done, You know, we, we have different generations that um, uh, have different buying behavior. So the Gen Z, which is the new to credit, they have a way of wanting to consume products different to your baby boomers. So how can data inform your product design? How can data inform your product uh, conceptualization based on what the market position is? At TransUnion, we talk a lot more about what is the market truth versus what is the response that we can give there. There is the voice of the customer out there and if 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 institutions look into data data tells a story data tells a story and if you trace it at each point you pick up information that is important for you to make a concession or a decision on. So we would like to encourage uh, organizations to use their internal and external data. Look for data outside your own ecosystem or your own environment that can start informing your own strategies. Looking at automated decisions, it's gonna be important for them to start looking at automated decisions, but automated decisions are just systems that needs to be, uh, are systems that will work even more with better data Infused or, or or integrated into them so um, in itself it will start helping organizations to you know to have better uh, uh, view of their of their customer better view of you know the risk that they're dealing with, but more so even onboarding their customers efficiently, effectively, and seamlessly. So data can be very integral and can be a very key tool for these organizations to start playing around with, to start using in their you know, end-to-end
1: uh, customer journey and, um, and and decisioning. Interesting, quite interesting. So uh, during this period, we've seen a rise of uh, usage in terms of uh, basically internet banking or basically people transact- transacting online uh, rather than the traditional uh, form of banking, and 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 one of the challenges that this brings is uh, uh, around lo- uh, risks around fraud uh, and and all that. And from the report, I saw something around um, uh, US USD 130 million of uh, losses due to fraud, and and I think this likely to 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 go up uh, uh, given the period as consumers especially move digitally. Just curious to know how can businesses protect uh, themselves by extension, even their own customers? Yeah, uh,
0: you know, it's a, it's a good question, right? I think what what, what um, our, our listeners need to understand is what could be causing this, right? We are in a period where digital transformation has become the, the, the theme always become a, a buzzword because of what the COVID has done. COVID has created the need for contactless engagement with customers. Uh, banks that believed in branch networks are starting to see that they will be left behind if they don't drive digital transformation in as far as extending their products are concerned. And in of digital transactions creates op- opportunities for, for fraud. Like you said, you know, there, there's a must, risk for fraud in as far as how customers engage um, uh, with, with with their institutions or with their banks, there's always chances that come in. You know, uh, we know we have um, uh, sy- syndicates that try to use people's ID. So we have a lot of customers that have come even to our organizations with uh, their IDs uh, having been stolen and somebody going out to open a, an account, somebody going to take a loan on on that ID. Uh, we have a lot of uh, 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 Phishing that happens on the internet, you know, people being sold things that don't exist, people being asked for their passwords. So it's important for uh, institutions to start realizing that their customers will need them to protect them from um, such type of uh, unforeseen behaviors from uh, uh, fraudsters, right? So we encourage them to start building what we call authentication layers. Uh, You can still be as effective and efficient and still seamless in your onboarding or engagement with your clients from a user experience or user journey uh, but still retaining some level of authentication, uh, bit identity uh, solutions that, like some, uh, transition with uh, 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 identity uh, fraud solutions, where we can uh, tell you who the person you're engaging with is. We have ways and means to, you know, to look into the. Input data that has flown into us, and we can almost give you an indicator to say there is suspicious uh, in, uh, transaction or suspicious behavior on this inquiry, and by so doing they can also you know engage with their with their respective customer um, on their end. We also have information on what we call device information because at the end of the day you 're trying to find. Identity in as far as the individual as well as the device, because that's where most of that fraud happens. Someone using someone's information or using a device to get someone's information. At TransUnion, we have what we call IOVATION.